just so you know, at the top of this episode, this conversation does include discussion of suicide, mental illness and drug and alcohol addiction. And if you are having any problems at all, make sure you give the people at Lifeline a call on 13 11 14. Hi, I'm Libby Trickett. This is All That Glitters, a podcast where I sit down with the world's best retired athletes and explore the transition from the bright lights of competition to the real world. On today's episode, I sit down with former AFL player Jake Edwards. Set up for a long kick. How did he get down there on his own? Jake Edwards is at 50. Bring it up, my Steady as she goes. Doesn't have to kick and make a huge difference. Last time on All That Glitters. It wasn't necessarily the attempt that changed me, motivated me to try and change. It was th- what happened next. So I spoke to Dr. Clements in her office in Richmond and I was still coming down. I was really bad. And I remember sitting across from her and she got her mobile phone out and she put it on loudspeaker and it was my mum. And she said to my mum, look, I'm with Jake. Uh, before we put him into a program, so they put me into St. John of God in Dandenong in Victoria uh, as an in-and-out stay. And she said to my mum, look, we're going to send him home to the farm for a couple of days, but before we do that, I need to make sure that he can't get any um, access to any firearms so Jake can't come home and shoot himself. And I remember he- I heard that, and then it was just silence on the phone. And then I don't know whether my mind's made this up or not, but I thought I could hear the lump in my mum's throat through the loudspeaker and I don't know what it was but it was just this kick in the ass mm. that I as a first time that I could see and experience that what I was going through was more than just me it was mm. I was impacting my family and the people around me mm. so my mum yeah my mum's my rock like she's been there for me with through everything like I'm sure all mums are for their kids and yeah, I just, I just they, my parents just didn't deserve what I was dishing up to them. And so, where do you go from there? Like, obviously, you went into into that program, and you know, you start to slowly take steps to get yeah, yourself, get yeah, to get better. But yeah. it doesn't happen. Nope. Quickly, nope. and it, you know, you have to keep uh, working at yeah, it. You do, and. <laughs> And admittedly, ever since then, I've done the work. I have relapsed mm. um, a couple of times off yep. the back of that. So, um, as it does, it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. And then even as recently as you know, started you know this year, and when off the back of um, you know, a difficult six months, and then mm. yeah, it was it was tough. It was so tough. But I guess that immediate process for me was just getting there. <clears throat> I remember I sat down uh, with the psychiatrist and. Yeah, it was quite interesting because um, I don't know what it was, but I remember sitting there going, oh, here's a, another psychiatrist mm. um, trying to tell me how I need oh, – because when you uh, substance, when you abuse substances like I was, um, I never really admitted that I needed help with any of that, but I realised that obviously I did. But it all started with my mental health. And yeah, my, it's all intermingled, yeah, right? Yeah, so I started with that and then I just learnt that, yeah, that it's controllable. You control your brain and your thoughts and – he really broke it down for me. He's a sports psychiatrist too, so he really related to me. Where um, his name's Brenda Murphy, um, so where he related to me was using sport in his language, and I was like, "Oh, I kind of get that. Yeah, you can that makes connect sense. With it. Yeah, yeah, it kind of makes sense to me now." And then he just taught me 
yeah, how do I, he gave me a, a, a couple books to read, which, which was, um, which is really good. Um, which again, there's one called the chimp paradox okay. written by a guy named Dr. Stephen Peters. And so it's quite a difficult read, but it really kind of helps you understand this, the, the, the psychological impact that mental health and depression can have, but also how we control it and how we manage it. And yeah, I spent some time with, with Brendan and I, I was sober for nearly 12 months off the back of that. Um, my goal was always to be able to have a drink again, mm. uh, just but in the comfort of my my environment and people that I was around. I had to get rid of a lot of people, mm. um, which was fine. And then, yeah, so the next step for me was what I want to do the rest of my life. And then that's where the charity had come into it. Yes. So tell us about Outside the Locker Room. Yeah. So I started that, again, Brendan asked me, what do you want to do the rest of your life? I'm like, mate, I'm worried about not having a beer. You're asking me about what I want to do the rest of my life. That's a big, I have no idea. <laughs> that's a big I still question. don't know what I want to do with my life. <laughs> uh, so um, if you really want to ask me what I want to do, I want to start a farm with puppies everywhere and yes. just look, look after them but I don't think that's really a career <laughs> hey people love puppies yeah true <laughs> and farms <laughs> so um yeah so I just had the idea and at the time I started engaging with local sport so I was playing football and because I'd been so public with my story my journey and, mm. and so forth I had just had a lot of people families friends players teammates coming up to me just saying how thankful they were of me, me doing that can I just ask a question about that mm. how or why do you feel like you've been vocal about your experiences yeah I, I think I just had a thought one day that and it was off the back of starting the charity so I had the idea of creating a program going back to community sport but I didn't really understand what it was going to be and what it was going to do and then yeah just through those conversations of just friends and family and doing some research myself off the back of working with Brendan and identifying that like this is actually a common thing like this is so big um, it's the number one killer for you know men between the ages of you know 15 and 37 in this country like why is there not more being done why are people not using it and the other thing was as well I realized that schools so when I went to schools as an AFL player, kids loved it. Mm. Like they, I could tell them to, you know, do 400 push-ups and they drop and do 400 push-ups, you know, and it's just they loved athletes and sports people and you'd have experienced it with kids. They just have the respect for you just as an athlete, I yeah. think. And I thought, well, maybe I can use my voice for the, for the better and share my story. And to be honest, when I first started sharing, I didn't give everything. Mm. I just started giving bits and pieces about it. And then I just, as I grew confident and the response was really more and become more, I'd started sharing more and more mm. off the back of that. But I felt like a sense of responsibility that I had an opportunity to, I'm here for a reason because mm. I didn't, I didn't want to be, but that cord snapped for a reason. Um, maybe this is what it is and this is why. So I just thought, own it, mm. own it. If you own it, then no one can shoot through it. No one can pick at it. Mm. And then that way... Uh, I can try and make good of it. Mm. Uh, so really, in my head, it was like taking a really shitty experience and trying to turn it into something yeah. quite positive. Yeah. yeah. Some and kind of legacy. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's always so interesting when people are very open and honest with their experiences. Like, like I think it just, it, it can help and, and the power yeah. of those stories can really help someone feel normal or feel seen or feel... Like they're like, oh, I'm not alone yeah. in this. I'm not yeah. the only one who experiences this. So yep. the fact that you were able to t- 
translate that into something so positive as your charity. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's really remarkable. Yeah, thank you. I probably don't pat myself on the back enough no. for it, to be honest. I, I just don't. But that's really, the mentality. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. I, um, yeah, when, when I first started it, Again, I started just sharing little bits and then it kind of got to the point where I was like, oh, here's my life. And <laughs> Take it Here I it. am. Yeah. <laughs> and Take then, it or leave it. And then admittedly, again, it got three years into the charity and I remember having a moment I'm like, whoa, mm. fucking whoa, hang on a minute. What have I done? Like I've just shared my whole life with all of Australia. Yeah. Because that's how we met on the SBS program on yes. Insight. Yep. And then I went on 60 Minutes. So 60 Minutes come to me and did a segment on men's suicide, but also specifically in sport. Mm. And then our charity was the highlight of that segment. So out of a 15-minute segment, I think we were on it for like 13 minutes. Wow. And our program went from, I think in Victoria, I might have been been working with about 10 clubs at that time, Mm. and literally went from Victoria, and I was in Queensland, New South Wales, and WA within the next like three months. Wow. So it just – blew up i think it was like 400 and something requests through our website that's huge yeah from sporting clubs or parents that just wanted more and more help with their kids in sport i was like wow like i'll poke the bear here you know and then literally it just yeah just grew off the back of that and then i felt an even further sense of so even those whispers i had of like whoa man what are you doing Mm. it was strongly overpowered by the sporting club that night i had to go and talk at because I knew there was a young man in that room who needed, needed to, to hear my story. Yep. And I was like, you know what, Jake, just wear it, cop it, whatever damage it's doing to you, which you're unaware of right now, deal with it later on. Because that was going to be my next yeah. question. Like, how do you manage that? Because, I couldn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't. And it was really tough to do that. Yeah. And I didn't realize it at the time. I wasn't conscious of it, but it wasn't until, you know, it got further and further down the track and it grew bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. That yeah, we we rolled out to three hundred sporting clubs across, uh, sorry, three hundred communities across Australia. Before I realised, this is actually doing more damage to me now. Mm. I started this to avoid yeah my mental health issues. Now it's actually creating more for me at yeah. that time. So I the progressive plan was always to step away mm. from the charity at the right time. Yeah, that was probably fast tracked quite uh, quite a bit. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, it, it, it's a really tough realisation to come to. Because um, you stepped away from that earlier this year. Earlier this year, yeah, yeah completely. Yeah. yeah, I just had to get away. Mm. Um, you know, and I went on that silly TV show and then come off the back of that yeah. in just not a really good way yeah. at all mentally. And so I don't watch it. Uh, that's I'm okay. not. I'm not. I, I shall not name the show. Great. However, <laughs> um, I don't watch it because I, I do think it is a bit silly. Yeah. Um, what was the mindset behind going on something yeah. like that? Especially when you know, you know, your mental health can be up and down. Yeah. Yeah, no, hindsight. <laughs> yeah. I would have said, like, this sounds Fuck like fun. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. Um Seriously. <laughs> Gosh, like, experience. Uh, <laughs> Why can't we just know it? <laughs> I don't know, right? Um I, at the time they approached me to come on. Ah, uh, gotcha. Um and I was like, you know what? Here could be my chance to do something different. Yeah. You know, the, the I went to my board mm. and I said to them, "This could be an opportunity for the charity, yes, to get of course on as a, well on a big promotion scale." Um, so that was one of the factors as well. But legitimately, honestly, I, I'm a I'm a I'm a hopeless romantic, um, and I I really wanted to actually. 
try and find someone yeah. at the time. And uh, I was ready. I felt the charity was doing good things. I was stable in that area. I felt really stable at that time of making yeah. that decision. And I thought there's nothing they could do to me. To I've been through all of it. You know, reality and, TV shows yeah, are it's relentless. <laughs> Like they just they just create these situations, and like I'm really cynical because I I was on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, Um, I came fourth. Thank you. Yes, well played. Thank you. Very good. Are you sure you didn't come first? (laughs) Oh, hundred percent. Because I I made it every episode until the grand final, and then I was the first to get kicked off in the grand final. And like in my mind, I'm I actually well in my mind I won because like clearly the top three they were paid the most. They were they were Channel Seven celebrities. Like come on, they're gonna win. So um, politics is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> I mean, it's not rigged or anything, but like... <laughs> it is. It is. Um, but they create they create those environments. They create those high-pressure environments. Yep. They... They really do. Yeah. They really do. And not to mention I was matched with someone who's not very nice. Yeah. Because and that's what... Because it causes yes. drama. Yeah. So I don't know what was in their minds as producers to put someone with me and my background experience with someone like that. Oh, no. But I, I do know. terrible. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. But I oh, know. But you're like, yes, I see why so you did that. So it made good viewing. And it's one thing being uh, cheated on, but cheated on in front of all oh, of Australia. Yeah. As much as people might sound, say, oh, you know, it's you've, you've come off looking great and things like that. No, 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 no. It fucked me. Oh, Like yeah. mentally it really damaged me quite significantly to the mm. point that, yeah, I, I completely relapsed off mm. the back of that and fell back into my mental health was just – at a point that I just could not see my future anymore. I didn't know what was going on. I was so concerned about the impact that the show was going to not just have on me, but my charity as well. Everything I'd built up was like, I was constant anxiety every day off the back of that. And yeah, like, and I was just myself on the show. So yeah, yeah, I did come across great because i'm i'm a good dude like, I, <laughs> like I'm, I'm not a, nice a bad person, person. <laughs> so yeah you're right they can't edit someone to be bad when they're not Correct. a bad person so mm. i didn't have any issues with that it just the the aftermath of it was really tough yeah. you know that when it's and speculation airy, and the uh, you know that high pressure intense spotlight on you yeah. and everyone has an opinion it's insane yeah it's really insane uh and we've all got a pass like mm. And I'm, as you can see, I'm so public with mine mm. and yeah, it, it pops up again. Mm. And at that time I was just like, I don't have to, I should not have to deal with this anymore. Mm. So yeah, and it got to a point, yeah, where I became really, really significantly impacted. Um, I became suicidal again. Wow. Um, that must have uh, been just, so scary too. Oh, it was petrifying. Yeah, it was fucking petrifying point, yeah. because I never in my dreams had thought I'd ever be in that position again. Mm. After Especially because you've done, done so – yeah, exactly. I was going to say, after all the yeah. work that you do, you just don't imagine that you're going to get to that point again. No. And it was just such a fast-paced life post it all and it was so quick and so erratic and so emotional. It just blew up. Mm. Everything it all just blew up. And then I, I – I, what's changed my life completely, which I wish I had done this right back before um, – after the first attempt, is I went and spent four weeks with monks – so I went oh, and lived wow. with monks for four weeks. Whereabouts? At a Hare Krishna farm. Oh, wow. In Victoria. Incredible. Um, which completely changed my life, mm. 180. And then <clears throat> off the back of that, um, well, what I learned was spirituality in a lot of ways. Like I'm not fully in depth into my spirituality as you – like I'm not walking down the street praying and singing as a Hare yeah. Krishna. Yeah. Right? But what I learned was about just myself and my soul and mm. – 
who I really am and I had to dive deep into my shadows and my ego mm. and really attack what that is and what that meant for me. Yeah. Because uh, that's an area of my life I'd never dealt with. Yeah. And literally on the farm, they would give you jobs like stacking firewood for five hours by yourself, <laughs> picking potatoes out of the ground for eight hours by yourself. And the first two weeks, I was just in tears the whole time. And I'm like, fucking here we go again. Here you are again. You're a piece of shit. You've ruined everything again. You know, your family this, your family that. Yeah. You rely on everyone and you just have no responsibility. Just for the first two weeks, it was just constant anger at myself. And then I just broke myself down mm. where I, I I get when they're doing the SAS stuff. Like yeah. I was broken down to like a core. And then the monks and that around you just build you up again. And then I just had this clean, beautiful surface of foundation to, to grow again. Mm. So what you see sitting in front of you right now is such a different person than what I was two years ago, even 12 months ago. Yeah, wow. Um, you know, I, <clears throat> I chant, um, I journal, if not every day, every couple of days. I, um, I'm vegetarian. Mm. Um, yeah, I've had two glasses of red wine. In six months, uh, I'll look at Claire because I <laughs> shared that glass of wine with Claire. <laughs> um, and that was at Ziggy Alberts, which was a momentous night. Uh, <laughs> for, that's where we made things official. Uh, um, that's adorable. It, uh, I won't ask any details. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I did order, order um, organise a Mustang for the weekend. So Cute. Very, very you good. are a hopeless romantic, bad, bad. <laughs> but we both love old cars. Um, awesome. So that, that was uh, that was good. So yeah, and it just changed my life. And literally now, I made the move to Queensland, mm. and I was like, I just want to start again. And Claire and I started talking just on yeah online, and she's been everything to me. Mm. Yeah, this woman to my right, and um, yeah, she's just giving me hope again in a lot of areas that I thought I'd, I'd never experience again ever in my life. And That's so nice. It's it's funny when you uh, – when you, like Terry. She's like, well, stop. <laughs> Keep going, but also well, stop. <laughs> but when we first met, we were both – when we were just up front with each other and we just said to each other, hey, like we're kind of – we envisage ourselves not being with anyone until like next year. Mm. And she was very hard on that. <laughs> <laughs> and we just come into each other's lives at that time and mm. it, we just changed that view completely mm. because we realized we've got someone pretty special in front of us and yeah, yeah it's, you know she's been she's been amazing and very supportive and yeah i don't know much more to say about her other than she's great and that's again added to my happiness being here and mm. yeah even though being away from family and friends which has always been really important to me mm. being up here is really helped me stand on my own two feet and go do my my thing again. Yeah. And I'm in a different career. Yeah. Because you've gone into real estate. I mean, I'm in, I'm in property. Yeah. Who would have thought? How right? good. Yeah. Hey, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a buyer's agent. Um, so representing the buyer. To buy you've really property. acclimatized to the Queensland oh, way yeah. of life. You've got <laughs> shorts, you've got your thongs. thongs. Yeah. This is me. You've got your linen t-shirt. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's so humid up here. I know. It's, <laughs> it's breathable it's fabric. Sweaty. We had the air con on all night last night. Yeah. And Claire's rugged up. Um, <laughs> Trying to get to sleep, I'm like, oh, this is great. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just, I, I just love Queensland. Mm. It's, it's. Fan- I've always had an admiration of it. I've loved. I've always had fantasized moving up here, mm. but I've never been in a position to be able to do it. Um, so I was like, yep, stuff it. So I left the charity, come up here, and uh, start my own thing, which is going really well. Yeah, 
Yeah. Are you enjoying it? Like Lo- it's, it's, it's a great. whole new challenge. Well, I've always been in property myself. So I've been buying and selling since I was about 19. Mm. And I just figured I might as well make a career out of it now. And It's so um, fun. Like, it's a lot of fun. You get to see beautiful houses. And I get to spend other people's money. Yeah. It's great. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It's fantastic. So, you know, when it's, it's nice when you've got clients that have got, you know, good budgets and mm. you get to go out and see some beautiful properties. And I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate to, um, to be in the position that I am. And having been through everything I've been through and to still be here – motivated, inspired, mm. in love, doing all these things that I could only dreamt of. Mm. Six months ago, as recent as probably six, eight months ago, um, it's a real testament to hanging in there and staying committed and you know believing in something more than yourself. And, yeah. And this is where we are. So how do you – because I, I love woo-woo stuff. Like, you know, I'm all into yoga and meditation and um, – I haven't done chanting, but it, it intrigues me. But, like, how do you – because coming from, like, a footy background, it's, like, blokey and <laughs> I'm a man, yeah. and, you know, I am can I can get through anything. Like, yeah. what do your mates think about when you're, like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing my chanting today. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm it's, just going to sit down and journal. <laughs> it's strange. I even remember when uh, Claire and I first started dating, I said to her, look, I don't want you to think this is weird. <laughs> Just so you know, just so you know, have five to chant yeah. for a little bit. I just I do a thing called chanting, and I didn't want, don't think I was involved in a cult because <laughs> I wasn't. And I remember before I met her mum and dad, I was like, I think I think I'm weird if I chant and stuff like that because you know. Because how often do you do your chanting? Oh, it's every day. I find a time. So yeah. whether it's in the car, um, in the morning. Mm. It's just a it's a mantra. It goes for roughly around about twenty minutes. Oh, cool! Um, so yeah, it depends on where, but most of the time it's probably in the car. Yeah, um, I, I do it. There's a play. There's a song I listen to on yeah, Spotify cool. and it's a chant. I just do it with it. Um, yeah, other than that, it's look. It's strange. It is weird because you know my my actually my best mate Caleb, who's my manager. He he got me to the farm. Mm, so okay. when I had that massive breakdown, he's like, mate. We're gonna we we there's a place I know we can get you to, and I was like, okay, let's do it. I need to get the fuck out of here. Get me out of here. So there's no phones, no TV, no nothing for four weeks. So I stepped away from the world. I encourage everyone yeah, to do it at some amazing. point. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's scary as fuck because when because I realized how much I do this, like how much I yes. reach for that and that, and I was doing it. There was nothing. Well, there. that's another type of armor, right? Yeah. it's just like oh, I'm bored. Look at it. Look at my phone. Yep. I'm standing in line. Look at my phone. Waiting for the bus. Look, look at your phone. phone. Yep. And the, the hardest, and when you don't have that, you're like, oh shit, I've got to go in here. Yeah. <laughs> I have to talk to myself. Yeah, and that's <laughs> not, fun. not Not so fun. <laughs> and you realize there's more than one Jake yeah, <laughs> that exists. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, so once I dealt with that, but communicating that to your friends is always. Hard. Hey guys, I'm so, going to a Hare Krishna farm. <laughs> so, one thinks Hare Krishna is they think dancing in the streets, yeah. giving out, um, you know, um, books and that. They wear the robes yeah. and that. So, yeah. um, but they're the most happiest, joyous people that you've ever met in your life. Mm. So, the whole concept is around no ego. Yes. And that's why they dance in the street and do all that type of stuff. We look at them and go, oh, you're weird, you're an mm. idiot. But that's actually our ego yes. portraying on them. 100%. When they have no. They don't care. Yeah. They do not care. There's a thing they call kirtan. How freeing. Yeah, it's it's so freeing. Mm. There's a thing called kirtan, and it's literally they we chant, 
and people come together and you everyone gets up and dances and you know you express yourself however you like mm. and it's so beautiful yeah it's so amazing and um for me i was very lucky and blessed to have caleb in my life who he's been krishna conscious for over 12 months okay. so w- what it is in there's four steps to follow if you want to become full krishna conscious the first one is vegetarianism uh the second one is no intoxication uh, so no drugs, alcohol, things like that. The third one is no gambling, which isn't just betting. It's like gambling in the way of risk-taking. And the fourth one is uh, no illicit sex and so no sex before – no, sorry. You, you can only have sex if you're going to procreate. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously I'm not fully <laughs> – <laughs> I'm not going to say which one, but I'm not full Christian. <laughs> so, so I don't gamble. Right? I don't think anyone can say that they are unless you, you are. Correct. And that's cool. Yeah. Like no judgment. That's great. Yeah. So I, I get it. Like, oh, yeah, you do you, man. <laughs> you do you. Like I'm here for me. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, and it's it just opened my world really. Mm. It's just to a spiritual way, being conscious, being recognisable of your feelings and your emotions, removing your ego. Yes. And that's really, really hard to do. And I think it's made me a, a better person. Mm. It's it's made me a better partner. It's made me a better friend. It's made me a better son. Um, it's made me a better colleague. Just all over. Yeah, everything now just is simpler. Mm. And I look at life just through the lens of less is more. Um, relationships of value um, and yeah it just it's not like it used to be coming off something like I did mm. it was just chaos mm. for so long and it caused so much stress in me that yeah I lost 10 kilos on the show wow yeah nearly it was like 9.2 kilos something like that I lost yeah that's where you're just internalizing all that stress right and I they tell me to go for a run every day to oh. to um to release the stress Ah. So I did, <laughs> I did. to get away from <laughs> where I was. Um, I'm literally running away. <laughs> yeah, oh, literally. Yeah, <laughs> but I I was doing like 50 k's a week. Wow. Yeah, 50, 60 k's a week. It wasn't just for those montages that they do. Like. No. Oh, the cutaways. <laughs> yeah, the cutaways. <laughs> no, God, no, 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 no. I was running all around Sydney. I think I I know my I know Sydney like the back of my hand now. Mm. I think. Um, I did a half marathon one day. Wow. Yeah, and come back and filmed like all day. Wow. Like I just – I had to get away from, from all that, but I lost so much weight. Mm. Yeah. And that, but, uh, yeah, so I feel – I am happiest I've ever been. Mm. And I am so confident now that whenever I'm faced with another challenge, which I will be, that I'm never going to fall back to where I was. Um, and the reason I know that is because the work that I've done is so different. And that's when, again, when people meet me now and, again, even Claire, she's like, you're just different. I'm like, well, yeah, it's because I've done different shit. Like how many guys do you know have spent four weeks at a farm with monks? Yeah. You know, like it's it's different. So I expect me to be different. Mm. So I just know that I'm going to handle things a lot differently. I've got good, loving, caring people around me and I don't have enablers around me Yeah. Um, as well, so – and it's good. Makes a difference. Makes a huge difference. Yeah, you're. Yeah. I I really think that you're the sum of the people that you you had spent most of your time with. So. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And moving to a new state forces you to build your relationships, new with networks, new networks, and new people. Mm. Um, and currently, right now, they sit between kind of work and Claire and her friends. Um, I've got a couple friends up here. 
But really, that's kind of all well. I you're really local need. to me, so we can like kind yeah. of we can I know, have around coffee. the corner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Go great. Rabbit hole. Yeah. Great. <laughs> it's a nice little plug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I know. You want I your hope free I get coffee. Free coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure they know. They may not listen to my podcast. Um, surely, everyone listens. Surely, to this, surely. Um, I think I wanted to ask. Well, I've got two, probably two more questions because I do <laughs> feel like I could talk to you for hours. Yeah. For people who are feeling those moments that you've been to, you know, yeah. that really dark place where you can't see a way out. What is your advice to someone who might be in that position? Yeah. Um, sit. Mm. Yeah. Sit and take it all in and write it down. One of the greatest things that I have right now is my journaling Acknowledge the fact that it's it's okay to feel that way, and I think many of us do have some point at some point in our lives have felt like that. Mm-hmm. But sit with it, um, find somewhere quiet, uh, and really try your best to really process everything. Try and not act out in the emotion that you're in, mm-hmm. because for us men, that can be aggression, uh, that can be violence, or, or it can be the other way. We mm-hmm. just completely retreat, mm-hmm. and you or get nothing. Numbing. Yeah. Alcohol, drugs. Things like that. Yeah. So sit with it. But then the obvious one, which gets spoken about a lot, is you know, talk to someone like friend, family, partner, mm. and just open up a little bit, start somewhere. I always had the thought that no one would want to hear my issues and my shit mm. uh, when it's completely not true. Mm. You know, friends and family want to know. Yeah. That's how they can help. Uh, but individually, I think, yeah, you got to have the ability to find it in yourself, to be aware and sit with it mm. and write it down because that's helped me a lot writing things down mm. and there is a point where you've got to realize and i have is that i have to be responsible for my own shit um i can't betray that on other people yeah you know so writing it down really helps you kind of get it out on paper and it won't make any sense my journal makes no sense mm. um, but for me it does and it's an opportunity to get it out mm. so if you are feeling in a really difficult patch and you get into a really dark place, um, yeah, find find the strength to do that. Mm. Yeah, because it, it changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the idea, the ideal scenario is not getting to that point, yes, isn't it? Yes, yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. And, and everybody, what I'm really passionate about talking to people about is finding what works for you because what works for one person, yeah. like I think there are elements mm-hmm. – that are very similar, talking to people. I, um, When I was in a really dark place, I spoke to my GP. That was like kind of the first, yeah. other than my husband, that was the first point of action cool. for me. Had you known him for a while? Have you uh, I had actually known him for a yeah. while, yeah. So that trust there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and not everybody has a consistent GP, which no. obviously makes a difference. Um, you know the other thing that I use is music. Yeah. So music for me, like I play guitar, you know, and I just, yeah, I, I like just music mm. in general like i listen to quite metal hardcore type of stuff yep. which is a lot of screaming yeah cool um which is yeah you say <laughs> cool, that you, yeah. you, you do you <laughs> yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you like to sing yeah, screaming well, songs or? N- well no yes it, no <laughs> i do but i don't yeah, yeah. but um yeah no but I that's just almost like i mean if you think about it it's almost like chanting in a different way it sounds silly to people but the way i explain the way I expressed what, why do you like, I don't even know what they're saying. Like people are like, why do you like metal music? It's like, well, you know what? 
the reason I started listening to it in the first place is because I like the sound of it. Mm. Um, and then I, what I do is, is that with all music, I actually, if I like the sound of it, oh, it sounds really good. I wonder what they're saying. So I actually Google the lyrics. Oh, love lyrics. And then Hell I'll, yeah. And I'll read the lyrics. And a lot of bands I listen to, like the Amity Affliction and stuff like that, they write about the shit that I've been through and I've been in. So a lot of addiction, mental health issues and stuff like that. Mm. So I relate to the music yeah, even, you resonate with even it. more. Mm. And that's so important. But also is that um, most times now, not as much now, but back when I started listening to it, I was listening to it because um, I wanted to scream a lot, you know, and I had a yearning kind of voice in me that just wanted to yell a lot of the times. Mm. And I can't just do that walking down the street. People think you're fucking nuts, right? Yeah, like, look. Yeah, if you stand, if, social norms. If you, stand, <laughs> if you stand at the lights and you're pressing the button and you start screaming out lyrics, people are going to think you're insane. They might call the police. <laughs> So I actually felt the, the release through music mm. uh, by listening to you know people like Joel and that screaming that, yeah, it was like a release for me. Mm. Um, and people can't understand that. No, but, but, I, but this is what I find so interesting is that different things work for different people and there's, it's just finding those avenues, those outlets, those pressure releases, whether it's meditation, whether it, for me it's exercise, yep. like I love. Yeah, exercise. Oh, right? Yeah. Like it's just – it gets me out of my head and into my body and I, that's very grounding for me. Definitely. Yeah. So I never used to be – it must sound stupid again. I never. I hate running. And being a footballer doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, but, dude, you have to run. <laughs> so I know. I was never good at AFL. it. <laughs> but I, I kind of lost the love for it. But then over the last 12 months, maybe since I've running – I ran a lot during the show, I think mm. I fell back in love with running. Um, Warren, I don't run very quickly, mm. but – I, it's um, all right. Plotting's fine. Plotting is fine, but it's it's been a real escape for me. Mm. Yeah, to be able just to chuck the headphones in and just go for a run. Magic. Yeah, and that sweat, as we know, it helps. Yeah. Yeah. The endorphins. Yeah. yeah, all of it. It's just magic. But, but do you how do you find meditation? Oh, I. You know what? I did a meditation course in 2010 when I first started going through some depressive mm-hmm. symptoms, and it was uh, mantra based. I found it really hard to sit for 20 minutes and meditate. So, uh, yeah, uh, I just – I'm too jumpy. Like Mm. I'm not that personality that can, yeah, just sit. sit. So I kind of – for me, I feel like exercise is my meditation because it does get me out of my head. I, as I've gotten older – and do more guided meditations, that's yep. been – helped. Yeah, that's okay. been really helpful. But I can only probably do it for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. And I can't do it twice a day. Yeah. So, it's, again, it's just finding the right setup for you. Well, that's why I chant. Yes. Um, because yeah. me- meditation for me – see, I, one thing I didn't mention as well is that I, I've got a trauma coach. Right. Um, so I've got a lady who uh, – Emanuela Garotto is her name. And I've been working with her – um, probably four months maybe mm. and she's really helped me deal with a lot of my trauma issues that I've had in my clearly I've had quite a lot yeah um, and even when I was younger there's a lot of things that have happened in my life mm. but I have abandonment yep. challenges and I've also got shame mm. uh, issues don't as well. we all have shame issues? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I shame spiral on the reg yes <laughs> It's uh yeah, so that's that's really helped me and she tries she does guided meditation with me. So I had a mm. session with her two days ago and she put me through a guided meditation, uh, which I find easier to yes. do. Yes. Uh, but chanting I find is more on my terms. Yeah. Because the, the whole concept of chanting anyway in the in the Krishna focus is that it engages your senses. Yeah. So when I do it with the beads, 
So there's 108 beads mm. and um, you, you're engaging a touch on the beads. You're speaking, it's engaging, you're listening. Mm. And when you've got your eyes closed, they say that you focus your eyes on one point ah, cool. um, when, you're, when you're doing it. Yeah, so it kind of engages all your senses and the whole concept of it, it's a cleanse. They yeah. say it cleanses your soul. You would have heard the om, yeah the om. Yes, I was just going to say same sort of thing. When yeah. I at like if I'm in a group of yoga and at the end they om. do the om, like it's really yeah, it, um, it rattles your chest. It does, yeah. like you can feel it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So it's the same kind of concept. Uh, the chanting, it's it's an easy chant. Well, it's not easy when you first start it. Mm. You're reading it, going, "What the fuck does that say <laughs> on the wall?" <laughs> but then you just say? pick up on the um on the momentum of it, and yeah. literally. The monks that I know, they get through like 108 rounds of this mantra, which would take me, say, 20 minutes. They get through a round in like eight minutes. Wow. But like they pump it out. Yeah. It doesn't sound like the mantra at all. But yeah. yeah. So they get up at 4 a.m. every day mm. and they do 16 rounds wow. of this chanting, which can take probably about two hours to do. Um, and they do it every day. Incredible. 4 a.m., 6 a.m. And then, yeah, and then they read every morning and they do all this stuff before like 8am. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing, you know, for people who maybe don't go as hard into it, you you pick and choose the things that work in your schedule. You pick and choose the things that you can do regularly. And for me, consistency is like the main thing, like every day up at, 4 a.m. Typical athlete. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. We routine. Exercise. We had a structure. I need a structure. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've, I'm 36 and eight years retired and I'm like, oh, I need structure. <laughs> it's funny. And do you feel kind of out of control, Manic, when you don't have that? 100%. Yeah. Like if I'm on holidays, I, and I've probably only just started to understand this more, mm. is that when I'm not in my routine, my anxiety starts to really yeah. – and I'm, I, I've been more on the – spectrum rather than anxiety but since having uh, my girls I've definitely my anxiety is really starting to heighten yeah right okay. um, so I've really had to try and manage that yeah interesting in ways yeah, yeah. but it, again it's, it comes down to that awareness right it does yeah identifying it early that, yeah. that is such the key mm. and identifying your triggers mm. as well we've all got that friend who talks to you about that shitty relationship they're in yes you're like mate fucking leave yeah get out of it yeah you know it um, seems so simple and we does, know yeah. that as, as we're humans we're not yeah. Yeah. like when you're in it it's like it seems so much more complicated definitely yeah but you know my and I, i've always said this even though i've been sober now for eight months or however long it's been but i've said to people around me and that i'll never get drunk again yeah like i'll never get intoxicated again yeah it just doesn't serve for me right yeah it doesn't serve you no not at all yeah and generally speaking that it's just a shit feeling not being in control Mm. yeah with that athlete control (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's everything to us (laughs) (laughs) so well well, i find my anxiety i only i only get anxiety i think now in my career Mm. everything else doesn't really have much of that so with my career, it's generally when uh, – so the last couple of weeks have been really busy. Like it will kind of quiet and then it's all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, everyone wants mm. to work with us. So it's kind of just having a, a routine and a structure for each one and being in control of where you're at at any given point in time. Yeah. And a lot of the time for me that's because, you know, getting up early and addressing all my emails and having 
even if it's a loose structure during the day, yeah. but knowing that I've, I've got back to that person, I've done this, this, and this, and as long as it's it's okay before, say, 8 a.m., mm. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. But when I don't address things or if I have too many meetings on in a day mm. uh, and I haven't been able to kind of call someone or email someone it, and I forget at night, which happens a lot, I'm like, oh, shit, you know, fucking, I can really get back to them. Mm. Um, it causes a little bit of anxiety. Yeah. But I used to get a lot and when you work in the mental health industry, like I did for six years, mm. constantly, yeah. it's like my my social media and that at the height of me going out and speaking, um, I get contacted by people about serious mental health issues mm. as if I was a doctor. And I would wear that. I would take a lot of that on. And, and that's yeah. where you have to have those boundaries, right? Like I didn't it, have them. Yeah. Because yeah. you want to help because you're a good person and Correct, you're like, yeah. you know – like I've been there. Yeah, yeah. Like you know I, that feeling. Yeah, I, I know what it's like. You, you, here I am it's saying, dark. hey, reach out. Yeah. And if I'm not – if someone reaching out to me and I'm not responding, mm. what a fucking hypocrite. Yeah. Do you know? Yes. So yep. I was always like, oh, shit, I need to respond. Like I felt responsible. Mm. Even if it was just like uh, talk to these people, which a lot of time it was, mm. um, but it was something there, yeah, for the person on the other end. I just – I think it's so wonderful – the work that you've done in mental illness and talking about your journey and especially for Thank young you. men and especially for athletes who, you know, may not have achieved everything they wanted to in sport. It, it just, I don't know, I think it's so important to share everyone's different experiences and different stories. I think because, I, again, I could talk for hours, but the question that I like to finish on is what are you most proud from your footy career? Oh, shit. <laughs> I get asked that a lot. It changes a lot of the time. Mm. Um, I'm very proud of the fact that I made it. Mm. I really am. Mm. That is becoming, when I said earlier, how the older I get, the more my view on it has changed. The Perspective. Old, yeah, the older I get, the more I am really sitting with that going, actually, I'm actually pretty proud of that. So I think the fact that I was able to be drafted as a 17-year-old and play – a sport which, in my opinion, is the hardest sport in the world. Mm. Um, I've got to select my athletes I say <laughs> that around. <laughs> Look, it's the probably the hardest team sport. Yeah. <laughs> I'll <laughs> we'll give you that. We'll put down that, right. <laughs> so the hardest team sport in the world. Um, and to be able to be picked, you know, one out of 10,000 kids a year to actually play something I dreamt of playing. My earliest memories as a kid is me and my dad in the paddock on the farm mm. with um, star posts in the ground with PVC pipe acting as goals over it and from you know four o'clock after school to 6 30 dad would be teaching me how to kick goals like mm. you know, every second night and walking as I'd walk up to kick it I'd be stepping in rabbit holes you know and dodging <laughs> all the horse shit around me <laughs> and kicking the goal so there's a lot of great things that I have with my football career but I that would be that and also the proudness that I have of the fact that you know my family and my name and I said this to Claire the other night, the proudest thing I think we have as men is the ability to give our last name down. Um, and I hope to one day have a son and give him the opportunity to maybe extend that mm. if he wants to do that. Yeah, That's which beautiful. is pretty cool. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. No, this thank has you been for such a me. pleasure having you and Claire here. And yeah. yeah, it's just awesome. I was so excited. Were you? Yeah, <laughs> I was. I really was. Because I, I, I remember watching you at the Olympics. <laughs> I really, really do. And there was something about, I'm going to blow smoke oh, up here. Right? Please. You ready? <laughs> my children like <laughs> slam my ego into the ground. So please, anything. <laughs> so I, I, there was, because yeah, in my eyes, you're one of the swimmers. Now, I, I enjoyed 
watching the Olympics. Mm. But I've always known who Libby Trickett is. Do you know what I mean? Like I've always you you, you you had something in, and you did. You really captured Australia's hearts, and it wasn't Thank just through your swimming. It was your smile mm. and your personality. I loved it, and you really did. But it really showed. Thank you. And I think that when people seen that there was a life behind all that swimming for you, you sit here and say, "Well done to me." I say, "Well done to you too," Thank because you. swimming is. Fucking hard. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> We're training 35 hours a week it's for a, a 53 joke. second race. Like, come on. That's stupid. I, I, I dislocated my ankle once and I had to swim for rehab for like mm. two months and I couldn't use my legs. So I had one of those things. The poor boys, the yeah. And the, my things wrapped up. Yep. And all it was just my upper body just dragging through the water. And I was having nightmares of that black line. <laughs> <laughs> It's Look, footy players aren't really made for oh, water. We're so clumsy. And our shoulders are stuffed anyway. Yeah. So we're literally like you – And know, you're so thick. Yeah, we're like waddling through the water. <laughs> so I admire everything you've done. But I, I mean, I, I do remember watching uh, one of the Olympics, um, the relay one yes. that you guys won. And yep. I couldn't even name the three. <laughs> I could only know that Libby was in that relay. It's just something that's always stuck with me. Thank you. So I feel on. very – Awkward and yeah. appreciative <laughs> and thank you. I no. really, yeah, it means a lot. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yay! <laughs> thank you so much for listening to today's chat with Jake. He is someone that I found so interesting. I, I first met him at the SBS Insight episode where we talked about mental health with athletes and that retirement phase and finding identity and just all of those challenges that people find and, and probably was one of the original things that I started to really pick my interest, pick my interest, pick my interest, pick my interest um, around that retirement phase and, and finding those new identities and, and certainly mental health as well. But I think there's something really powerful about a, a man from a farm who has played AFL and, you know, has come from that really masculine culture to talk about mental illness and to talk about their experiences of really dark periods of time in their lives and and the things that they have done to sort of move through those times and to create an environment in their world now that allows them to live wholly and, and, you know, in a place of uh, joy and contentment and all of those things that we kind of aspire to. So, um, yeah, I really hope you got something out of that conversation. I, I really could have spoken to him f- for hours uh, about all sorts of um, elements of, of his experiences. But, uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind, as always, liking and subscribing and, you know, if, if this is something that you think someone might resonate with make sure you share it with your friends and family and loved ones Uh, and as always if this episode has brought up anything for you make sure you reach out and speak to somebody whether that is a professional counsellor a loved one a GP or the people at Lifeline on 13 11 14.